All right. Do a check for me. Check. One, two. Praise the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. Ready when you are. Welcome to Things You Missed in Sunday School, where we talk about the lesser known, obscure, but interesting stories from the Bible and church history. My name's Kendall. And this is Ron. And this is Spencer. We've compiled an exhaustive list of people, places, things, ideas, and events that we're going to go through over the course of this entire series. And today we're on entry number 79 of the list, and it's entitled Christianity in Space. I just went, I just saw an article that totally relates to what we talked about just recently with the whole animal attack story with okay. Elijah and everything. Right on. Did you guys see the news article where there's this guy in Kauai, Hawaii right. that got bit by a shark? I saw but it, it was the yeah. same guy who had just recently also been bitten by a bear and also <laughs> been bitten by a rattlesnake. Yeah. Like that would have been, that is amazing. Exactly. And uh, that would have been a perfect intro to last week's episode. It would have uh, been. If only it had been a week earlier. Why did this guy wait until this week to get bit by all those animals? <laughs> well, I don't think it all happened in a week. I think this has happened in his lifetime. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't like he was just having a bad week at the zoo or something like that. I mean, he was just <laughs> A like... bad week at the zoo. That, <laughs> that would be a horrible <laughs> zoo experience. But, but he's only like 22 years old. Though, right. Yeah. So still, that yeah. all of that has happened. I mean... What what comes next? What what's next? What's worse than a shark? Yeah, I would I mean, be scared. What, what could be next? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. Did you guys know that if you wanted to go into space today, because there are private organizations like SpaceX and I think there's a couple other ones that are not government run, if you wanted to go into space today, it would only cost you fifty million dollars to do so. Well, hey, that's cheaper than when I get in the doghouse. <laughs> okay. Nice. I'm actually having money deducted from my check every week. Uh, so. I'm sa- saving for that trip. Looking forward to it. So maybe by the time... Actually, yeah, I'm going to go there someday when Jesus comes back. I mean, okay. heaven's up there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. I guess that goes into my next question, <laughs> which is uh, if going into space ever becomes affordable, which I don't even know what that would be, maybe $1,000 or a couple... I don't know. <laughs> For something as amazing as going into space, just think about it. Would you guys really go? If you can go into orbit or maybe do uh, an orbit around the moon and come back, would you really consider doing it? Uh, absolutely. I, yeah, I would go. You think I mean, cool? It would probably take away from your inheritance, but yeah, <laughs> that money, but I well, would never love mind. to go. It will never become affordable. I didn't really like flying to Florida all that much, so I probably... <laughs> you won't go into uh, no, space? No, I'll wait till Jesus comes back. Oh, okay. I would definitely go. That'd be so cool. Well, today we are talking all about Christianity in space. Uh, We have been going to space since the 60s, uh, since the Mercury program, even before then with Sputnik and everything way back when. So today we're talking all about the Christian traditions or any kind of anything that relates to Christianity that has occurred in space over the past half century, really. So here's a couple facts about astronauts. Every year, on the International Space Station, which is 250 miles above the Earth's surface, they celebrate Christmas. And they do that by taking some time off to open presents, and they even have a Christmas dinner together. NASA gives them turkey, fruit salad, green beans, and potatoes, cornbread stuffing, cran apple cobbler, and chocolate cake for that dinner. Uh, but most of it is usually 
thermostabilized, <laughs> which I don't know what that means, but it does not sound yeah. appetizing, or it's canned, or dehydrated. Yeah, see, that's wrong because... I mean, it's not right. I'm not saying the information's wrong. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying that you gotta have ham on Christmas, not turkey. Turkey's Thanksgiving. You gotta have ham. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> well, you, we're gonna write NASA and let them know. I, yeah. I'm, yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Well, I, I understand that Charles Duke, uh, who's still alive as of this recording, was the tenth person and the youngest person to walk on the moon. Okay. And after his Apollo 16 mission, he became a devout Christian due to his experience up there. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah I actually uh, talked about him in a sermon a few weeks back, and not that you guys were paying attention, nope. but how he, he was depressed mm-hmm. when he came back from his mission and uh, had, he accomplished the, uh, the feat of becoming the youngest man to ever walk on the moon. It's like, what do you do after you reach the pinnacle of your career? Now you remember this Now story, I right? remember. Now you do. Uh, but... Uh, uh, basically, long story short, his wife led him to the Lord, and uh, he went around talking to prisoners right. and saying that I would rather you know walk on the earth with Jesus than to walk on the moon you know without him. Gotcha. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. But anyway, just a little side note: go back uh, online and listen to that sermon. It, it's <laughs> worth it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, James Irwin, also uh, astronaut. He was the eighth person to walk on the moon, and according to one source, Irwin said that it was uh, his experience exploring the moon on the Apollo 15 mission in July of 71 that moved him to devote the rest of his life to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, He spoke to church groups around the country. He often spoke of his lunar mission as an epiphany, declaring that I felt the power of God as I've never felt it before. And I'm I'm sure that was probably the case for most of them. You, I, I wouldn't right. think you could help but feel the power mm-hmm. of God being in that situation. So maybe maybe with some convincing, I, w- I would travel yeah, to Yeah, just space. get that experience. Yeah, doggone it. <laughs> Rethinking it. Yeah. Well, here's a specific event that deals with Christianity in space. First is the, the story of Apollo 8. Apollo 8 was the first manned mission from NASA to leave orbit of the earth and, okay. and orbit the moon and return safely. Okay. First one to, to go and return safely. And it launched on December 21st, 1968. Mm-hmm. And on Christmas Eve, they took what is probably the most famous picture in space history. They call it Earthrise, mm. which we can't really explain besides saying that these astronauts saw the earth rise for the first time in human history. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an amazing picture. I encourage you to look it up on the internet, look it up online. But a while later, on that same day, they had a television broadcast, uh, which I read was the most watched television broadcast up until that time. Wow. And on that broadcast, they talked about the features of the moon's surface. Okay. Then William Anders said, we're now approaching lunar sunrise. And for the people back on Earth... The crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we'd like to send to you. After which he said that, they went on to read Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Wow. And they divided the passage, the passage up into three chunks, with William Anders reading the first part, James Lovell reading the middle part, and it was finished by Frank Borman, who ended it by saying, And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. Wow. That's pretty awesome. You got this huge chunk of the planet listening to you and seeing the moon <laughs> and hearing Genesis chapter 1 read to them. Just yeah. what an amazing moment in history. 
That is pretty awesome, no doubt. Uh, yeah, as you were saying that, I was looking up the picture of Earthrise, and just what a, it's a beautiful picture. It's like, uh, it's just, it looks just like a moonrise, where it's about half of the Earth showing, coming over the surface of the moon. It's just an amazing picture. To think that was the first time in human history we saw mm -hmm. the Earthrise instead of the moonrise. And uh, yeah, that raw footage of them reading is actually on the internet, and uh, it's really cool to listen to. Uh, if you have time to go listen to it, it's really neat. James Lovell, who was on that trip, he read the middle part. Mm -hmm. He actually would go on to lead an Apollo mission a few years later, but he would never step foot on the moon because that was Apollo 13 mm -hmm. that he was in charge of. Uh, that was James Lovell? Yeah. That was James Lovell. I thought that was Tom Hanks. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> he, he played uh, Jim Lovell on that one. And, okay. Yeah, because Tom Hanks wasn't a Christian. We right? <laughs> Okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. There was some. I thought these glasses would make me smarter. That's not working. Uh, there was some pushback after they uh, read that. The American Atheist Foundation actually sued the United States government for that, saying that they broke the First Amendment. Uh, but the Supreme Court dismissed the case and said, "Nope, it's all good." Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Not surprising. No, I'm not shocked by that at all. Um, our second event happened about seven months later, uh, July 1969, Apollo 11. Uh, has landed on the moon. The astronauts that landed on the moon were Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. And soon uh, after they landed, Buzz Aldrin became the first person in human history to take communion in space, which oh. that's pretty awesome. Uh, before they began uh, getting ready to do their first moonwalk, uh, Aldrin radioed down to Earth, said, I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, uh, whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way. Uh, and then he took communion, and he wanted to broadcast the service back to Earth, but it was suggested to him not to do it because of what happened previously with Apollo 8 reading oh, yeah. Genesis. So anyway, that actually was still being They were still fighting at the moment, yeah. Shockingly. Caught up in the courts, I know that's mm -hmm. shocking that it would take that long. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, because of that, you know, they decided not to do that. But it was only after taking communion that they began preparing for the first ever moonwalk see that's amazing they just they just landed on the moon first time ever landed mm -hmm. on the moon mm -hmm. but before anything before they start getting ready before they start prepping anything like that to go on the first moonwalk mm -hmm. ever buzz aldrin says first things first yeah i'm going to take communion you know what i love about that is like this wasn't just something they thought Hey, let's uh, let's do this. You know, kind of on a whim. Yeah, they just, obviously I, I just happen to have some bread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not like they yeah. had a cooler full of bread <laughs> and juice on the, you know, on the space shuttle or whatever they were in uh, at that particular time. Wasn't the shuttle yet, was it? No, uh, lunar uh, module. Yes, but anyway, they, they they took some time. They thought about this. They knew this was going to be a big thing. And before they stepped out and walked on the moon. Uh, they wanted to commune with with the Lord, and that that's pretty yeah, that's pretty that's awesome. Pretty cool. Now there's tons of versions of the Bible: English Standard Version, uh, King James Version, New International Version. But did you know that there's actually a lunar Bible? Uh, in 1971, a King James Version of the Bible was taken to the moon on Apollo 14 by astronaut Edgar Mitchell. This was in honor of Ed White who was an astronaut in the first Apollo mission, Apollo 1, which during a training exercise in 1967, most people know this, but mm -hmm. it, it had a, a failure. It filled with fire 
and all three astronauts inside died. Wow. But Ed White, they were planning on going to space, obviously, and Ed White had wanted to take a Bible to the moon. That was one of his requests, but obviously that never happened. But Apollo 14 made it happen, and they still have it. They didn't leave it on the moon or anything. People have left things on the moon. They've mm -hmm. left pictures of families on the moon, stuff like that, but they just took it to the moon, so it's been there, brought it back, and it's still... People have auctioned it off at, from time to time, oh, and cool. it's still here, and it's called the Lunar Bible. Wow. I, I know some lunatic Bibles out there <laughs> that, that people lunatic have published. Bible. Maybe not some lunar. People. Well, there's a few of those, uh, but uh, yeah, some uh, misinterpretations. Did you know lunatic comes from the word for moon? Because people usually go crazy when the moon is full, and so the reason... That because of that they associate it, and that's where we get the word lunatic. That's amazing. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, there we go. Hey, it's the point of the podcast. How learn something. That? You learn yes. something. Okay, uh, moving on. Okay, <laughs> I, I thought that came from fifth graders. <laughs> <laughs> fifth grader, it was so mean. Yeah, uh, probably so. Probably more truth to that than you realize. Anyway, you know what happens a lot of times? Uh, many astronauts they come back different. Uh, because mm -hmm. of what is called the overview effect. Oh, yeah? Which is where you see the Earth for what it really is, just this blue marble floating around in space and how it's protected by this razor-thin atmosphere. You don't see the boundaries that we see down mm -hmm. here. You don't see anything like that. And it makes uh, what we go through in life, our little conflicts, the different things that we put up with on a regular basis, those things are so pointless when you think that we are just on this ball right. floating in the void of space. Yeah. So so again, maybe I should take that trip. <laughs> it no, would open your eyes. It Ron. might open my eyes, yeah. I'm more excited that he would come back different. <laughs> that Changed. Would be, that would be great. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, some, some are just so awestruck by the beauty of Earth. And it's hard for us to notice that. Uh, when we're just right here, when we just look around and just to realize we're just on the surface of this planet, right now we're just mm -hmm. standing on the surface of this planet. But to think that just 60 miles above us is space, that's where the definition of space is, is 60 miles above us. So if you're outside right now and you're listening, like just look up into the sky and realize that just 60 miles above you is space. That's it. If you're driving, it would only take you an hour to get to space, if you would just go up. It would take you an hour to get to space. <laughs> it would take me an hour, because I do drive <laughs> the speed limit. Yeah, it was, Kendall and I might get there a little quicker, but yeah, anyway, absolutely. go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> but it would only take you roughly an hour if you would just point your car up instead of, you know, parallel to the ground. That, di that is razor thin compared to the 8,000 miles. Mm. Uh, that's how thick the Earth is. That we're just 60 miles away from space. Yeah. But just from right up there, even the International Space Station, which is just 250 miles, mm -hmm. compared to the moon, that's 200,000 miles. The moon is 200,000 miles. So just the International Space Station, which is 250 miles, mm -hmm. you just get this whole new view, what's called the overview effect, of just how blessed we are to live on this marble that's just yeah. floating through the void of and space it, around a giant star. And, and the thing that's amazing to me is that it all happened by accident. Yeah. You know, just some... <laughs> just Bang! No, yeah, when, yeah, exactly. When you Sorry, see, I don't it. want, I don't want to come off as as uh, degrading at all. But honestly, that that is you one of see, the things. Yeah, it's one of the things you, just, you can look at and just see the hand of God the in beauty creation. Of creation. How how could all of that happen by you know just circumstances, right? Accidentally. But anyway, uh, before we get out of here today, let's let's take a look at what John Glenn said. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, and th this is awesome. To look out at this kind of creation out here, 
and not believe in God, to me, is impossible. It just strengthens my faith. I wish there were words to describe what it's like. Well, here's, a, here's another quote from an astronaut. You know, there's an old saying that says there are no atheists in foxholes. It's right. kind of referring to war. Right. But astronaut Mike Good added, there are probably no atheists in rockets either. And that concludes this episode, entry number 79, Christianity in Space. And we are the members, or two, th- or wait, wait. <laughs> we, we are members. Are, You're not wrong. We are members. <laughs> <laughs> we are ministers. But we're at, ministers as well. Yeah, yeah, let me try that over. We are ministers at East Columbus Christian Church in Columbus, Indiana. Of course, we're inviting you to our services on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 with Sunday school in between. There's children's church services during those times as well. We have Sunday evening service at 6 also. And there is uh, youth and children's group meetings on Wednesday nights with a meal at 6 and a lesson and stuff at 6.30. Yep. Feel free to contact us at mistinsundayschool at gmail.com. And as always, don't take our word for it. Take God's word for it.